Get ready, get ready, get ready. Uh. <laughs> well, it's such a good morning, and I'm just so thankful that everybody is here this morning. As uh, there, there are certain times of the year that I like to preach about what is going on that weekend. That's Sunday, and next week is Father's Day, so I enjoy that. I know that it's not a, something in the Bible, but it's something that I enjoy preaching on, and Christy gets to teach on, preach on Mother's Day, or she has the last couple of years, she's done that, so that's been great. And today's Pentecost Sunday, and I don't know um, how many of you know what Pentecost Sunday is, if you've, ever, if you've ever heard a message on it, or if you've ever read up on it, or studied up on it. You know, the Jews had a, uh, had a feast uh, during this time, and if you remember, Jesus Died on the cross on a sun, or died on the cross on a Friday. Was raised from the dead on a Sunday, and uh, there, there's some things I want you to understand about why we worship on a Sunday. Interesting things. There's two two main reasons that we believe that we worship on Sunday, because you know you said, well, the Ten Commandments uh, say to worship on Sabbath, and if you look at Sabbath, Sabbath in the in the uh, Old Testament was uh, would be our Saturday. It wouldn't be on Sunday, all right? Uh, and so people go, well, why, why do we not, uh, when we have the Ten Commandments, why do we not worship on Sabbath? We have the Ten Commandments, why don't we do that? Well, you know, the Sabbath is never, uh, when it's referenced in the New Testament, it's never referenced again like it was in the Ten Commandments. All the other Ten Commandments were, all the other nine, I should say, were out of the Ten Commandments. But two, two uh, main reasons that we worship and that the early church began to worship on Sunday. One was Jesus was raised from the dead on a Sunday morning. The second reason is because when, the, when Pentecost had fully come, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Sunday morning. And this morning we're going to talk about Pentecost and how it affects us as a church, how it affects you as an individual, and how it helps us. Now my, um, my life verse is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And, and you know, I Every, I, love, I love so many scriptures, but I always said, this is the one, this verse right here is the one that has always got me excited all my life ever since I was young. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you may have a, a verse in the Bible that you really kind of cling to. This is the one I cling to, because let me tell you something, I want to be a witness, and I want to be endued with power from on high. I want the Holy Spirit living and active and moving in my life so that I can be this powerful witness that God wants me to be. And I think it is so great that Jesus said, I, I quote the scripture so much, that if we as evil people would give good gifts to our children, why not? Why would we not even believe that the Father would give us the good gift of the Holy Spirit? And so this morning, we're going to talk about Pentecost because on Pentecost was the day that the, the church started. It's the day that the church started. It was the day that the disciples were baptized and filled up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit it was on the day of Pentecost. And it changed the trajectory of the human race. All right, so when we go back, let's, let's just do some comparison here. When we go back to the resurrection of Jesus, that changed the trajectory of, of many people. 
Because before Jesus died, remember, we talked about this at Easter on Resurrection Sunday, before Jesus died and he was resurrected, you had to go and you had to take a lamb or you had to take some other kind of animal, depending on on how much money you made. You had to take that animal and you would have to take it at least once a year for the forgiveness of your sin, to, to make atonement for your sin. And when Jesus came, no longer did just the Jews have a way uh, to God, but Jesus gave us all a way to God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when he died, that the temple, uh, if you ever, uh, if you've ever seen the temple, there's a holy place. And in that holy place, behind that holy place, there's a veil that was made that is really thick. You couldn't rip this thing. It was strong. But on the other side, that was where the Spirit was, was on the other side of this holy place. You, the, the Spirit wasn't everywhere, okay? The Spirit was, but when, the, when, the, when that veil was ripped in two, it was God saying, I'm going to give you access to what only the priest had access to. Now you, as an individual, have access to that. Now here's an interesting thing. The Catholic Church, when it came into existence, the Catholic Church went kind of backwards, and they said, no, you shouldn't have access to Scripture. You shouldn't have access to this, but only the priest can have access to these things. Only the priest should be able to even know what the Bible says, and they will tell you what it says. And thankfully, uh, Martin Luther uh, had something to say about that, and he he nailed a uh, nailed his uh, thesis up on a on a on a door to say, "Hey, I think that pretty much he was saying, "Hey, I think that everybody should have access to this. I think we've got a few things wrong here, guys. I think we have a few things wrong." And that's that's what happened when Jesus died, and when he was resurrected, he gave us all the ability to to salvation. And then he said, "I'm going to go away." And if you remember, he says, "I'm going to go away. I have to go away." Jesus can stay here and says, I have to go away so that the Lord can send, so that the Father can send the comforter to you. He can send the advocate to you. He can send the one who brings peace to you when you're going through through difficult times. And so so he was resurrected, and we love to preach. And churches across the United States and across the world probably, but especially the United States on Easter Sunday, there's a Sunday morning message about Easter normally. You're talking about the resurrection, and it's great. But how many churches do we have the second most important Sunday of the Christian, uh, the Christian walk, the second most important Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, many churches you never even hear it talked about. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons you don't hear it talked about is because it's a little bit different, all right? It, it doesn't always uh, conform to our way. See, we want to. We we have a way that we like to live. We have a way that we like to think. We're biased. I'm sorry. I'm biased. You're biased. You have biases, all right? Or biases, or I don't know how the word said, but you have a bias on something, on many things. You'll have a bias. You go, oh no, I don't. Yeah, you do. Just think about it for a moment. If you're a, if you like sports, you have a sports team that you like and a sports team that you hate. You may have a car that you like and a car that you hate. You may have a certain food that you like and a certain food that you hate, and you think it, it came from the devil. And hopefully your spouse doesn't think that is a great food, because <laughs> then you, you're like, I don't want it. I don't want that food. And Christy, she can't take any, for, for, for years she couldn't take anything hot. Now she can't take anything spicy. Not hot, but spicy because of health reasons. It really uh, causes, uh, causes issues with her. And, and I don't care if something's really, really I don't want it really hot to where I can't taste my lips, you know, feel my lips here other than burning. 
but I don't mind a little bit of spice in my stuff. And so now, when, when Christy and I, we eat, we have to go, okay, well, where are we going to go, and what are we going to do, you know? That, that's hot. I'm like, that's not hot. I just ate some of it. There's not, it's not, not hot to it at all. What, what, what do we have? She's got to bias towards that food. I mean, she thinks this is the kind of food I've got to eat because this is what works for me. You know, we do that in Christianity a lot of times. I tell people all the time, so what do you believe? When somebody says, what do you believe? I says, I believe the full gospel. That's what I believe. Now, you, I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but I believe the full gospel, and I say, this is how I believe. I believe that God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, any way that he wants to, to any person that he wills. He says in John, I think it is chapter 14, he said that if you ask me, I can do it. And I will do it. And what is amazing is we, as a, as a Christian group of people, and as a Christian group, we have put God in a box and we say, God, you can't do this anymore. But you can do this. God, I can't make it through that without this over here. And I wonder sometimes if we would have just a little bit more faith, maybe some, a few things would change in our lives. And let me tell you, I was talking to Connie yesterday, and I says, you know, Connie, when I, when I put a message together, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else. You get that? Because I need the word. I am not perfect. And if you thought I was, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But I am just like you. I put my pants on one leg at a time, all right? And when, when, when we look at this and we say, we say, oh, but I could do this. See, I'm a, I'm a doer. You need me to fix something, you hand me the tools, I'm going to go out and fix it. I may bust my knuckles. It may take me five hours that took somebody else 30 minutes, but I'm going to get it done. And sometimes that's a detriment to me because instead of relying and saying, maybe I should pray a little bit. And let me give you an example. Connie over here, she can't do a lot of stuff that I can do. She doesn't, she's not built the way I am. And, and she's told the story, and, I, and the, the, the way she ended up at our church originally at the very first is she, and I'm going to shorten it up, but she prayed. She says, God, I need to know where I'm going to go to church. And I've been, I've visited some churches, but God, the first person who calls me to help me finish my deck out here, that's the church I'm going to go to. Because she couldn't do it. Now, me, I'd be the one finishing my wife's deck, right? You know, I'd be the one out there, scru- you know, sanding it and doing it. And so Christy called her. She had sent a text out to a bunch of different people. And Christy's like, I'm going to call this lady. I says, you don't know this lady? Are you crazy? I says, make sure and defend yourself if anything happens when you go to her house. I know she's been to church a couple of times. Be careful. But Christy went over there. But what's the point? Connie couldn't do it. But you know what? Connie had the faith. Connie had the faith to say, Lord, I need you to send me somebody. Me? I struggle in that faith area. I'm like, Lord, give me the hammer. I'll get it done. I'll be exhausted. I'm only get three hours of sleep tonight because it's got to get done, but I'll get it done. And you wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes, if I would just have a little bit more faith, if I would activate the faith inside of me, maybe I would be so exhausted all the time because maybe God could do something because I don't want to do it all myself. And you go, well, I don't have that problem. I'm like, Connie, I'll pray about it. But is there another area that you struggle in having that faith in? Is there another area that you're struggling in having that faith in to let God move and God do it? And this is what is so great about the day of Pentecost. 
Now, the Bible says when Pentecost, the day of Pentecost had fully come, these things happened. So um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we just read that, but now we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. And what I want to do is set this up for you before we read this. I want you to remember that the, the disciples had been, uh, they came together, not just the 12. Not just the 12. There was over 120. Only 120 received uh, in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. But there was, uh, there were, the disciples were up there. They were doing some things. They had a business meeting while they were up there. And they were selecting a, uh, I don't like business meetings in church. I think they're not a God. Um, they, uh, they, they, they had this uh, business meeting. They selected a disciple to replace Judas Iscariot, you know, the guy who, who uh, stabbed Jesus in the back, you know, after Jesus had done all this stuff for him. And he says, I'm going to go sell, sell your, your friendship for 30 pieces of silver. I hope none of y'all have a friend like that. As the saying goes, a friend's like that who needs enemies, right? So they, they selected somebody. And, and it's funny, you never really hear about this guy again. And, and because probably it was because Paul, who comes along later, was the person to, f- to fill Judas Iscariot's uh, post as, as an apostle, a direct apostle, because Paul had an, an encounter with the Lord. So anyway, they had a business, they had some other things, but they had prayer. They were spending time praying together. They were spending time getting in one mind in one accord. That's what the Bible is, tells us. They were in one mind in one accord, one place, one mind in one accord. I mean, they, they, were, they were all believing for the same thing. See, when Jesus left, he says, hey, I'm leaving, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to go back to Jerusalem, and I need you to tarry until I come. I need you to tarry until I come. And we know that the, the, on the day of Pentecost, on the day, when the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, which was, again, a Sunday morning, which was 50 days from when Jesus died on the cross. All right? So it didn't happen on Saturday, which would have been 49. It was 50 days. Since Jesus died on the cross. When it had fully come, they'd been up there for 10 days. And one thing, one of the first things I want you to remember this morning is the Lord already knows when he's going to be ready to touch you and bless you and fill you and do everything for you. But sometimes I believe what he was doing with the disciples is he says, I need to get these guys head in the right place. Because don't you remember, Peter, just a short time before that, Right? Jesus was dying on the cross, and Peter said, was going to die on the cross. And Peter says, I don't even know this guy. And then after he had, he had resurrected, the, the disciples were locked up in a room when Jesus showed up because they were scared to death for their life. This is the people that you had. You had, you had guys, you had men who were scared to death that they were going to die. And so I just believe the Lord's like, you know, I need to give them some time to clear their brain a little bit. I need them to start to learn how to trust each other. Let me tell you, there's a lot of good stuff in here about Pentecost because they were together 10 days. They were, they were gathered together in the upper room, praying together, talking to each other, learning how to cope with each other, learning how to deal with each other for 10 days. Over 120 people. That's a pretty nice-sized church, if you ask me. They were together doing that. See, but up to that point, all they had was salvation, and salvation was for everybody. When Jesus died on the cross and, and, that, and that was ripped in two, when, when the veil was ripped in two, yes, everybody had access to salvation. One of the things that they didn't have access to is supernatural knowledge, supernatural wisdom, supernatural healing, 
these kind of things. Before this, before this, you went where? You went to the priest. You had to go to somebody special to receive. You had to go and, and ask them because you didn't have a direct line to, to the Lord to find out what do you need me to do. But then here's, here's what it says. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we're going to go through verse 18. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers. So all the believers that they had at the time, that, that 120 plus, were, were, were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was the sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now I want you to realize something. There wasn't a windstorm. There was a sound. Now if you look back in the Old Testament, the Lord shows up many times and there is some kind of a sound when he shows up. When he showed up on Mount Sinai and Moses was up on the mount, what does the Bible say? He was in the thunder. He showed up as thunder. So the Lord showed up. The first thing is the Lord showed up with a very loud sound. And I want to think of it this way. He showed up and it sounded like a tornado. All right? Would you hear people? I've never been through a tornado. Anybody been through a tornado? Heard it? I've heard it sounds horrible, and it's loud, and it's mean, and it's, it, it sounds like a train. So I think this probably sounded like a tornado. This loud sound showed up. Your 120 people are in the upper room at this point. The, the, the stragglers had decided to leave. They're like, we're not going to hang out for, for this whole time. But there was 120 people. Uh, all the believers were, uh, were gathered up there, and there comes this sound. And then, looked what, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire, appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages or tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear that their own language was being spoken by the believers. Now get this. It was so loud. I don't think people understand the importance of Pentecost. It was so loud that people came a-running. They came running to see what was going on. It was a day that changed the whole trajectory of the church. Because before this, yes, you had salvation, but, you had, but nothing was, how do we go out from this? See, we want to we want to get a Christian and we get them saved and we oh I'll tell you what let's let's let you do this let's do, let you do that this other and, and I want to say no let's say let's get you close to Jesus let's get you close to the Lord let's let the Holy Spirit come on you and baptize you change you so much it's supernaturally indwelling you because yeah you're a Christian but you need this because Acts chapter one verse eight says if you have this that you will be an effective witness for me all over the world. Like I say, it's a difficult thing to talk about in many churches because it doesn't fit what we want. We want everything to be cool. We, don't want to, we, we just want everything just to, we're going to come in, we're going to sing a couple of songs, and, you know, and, and I heard that on Caleb this week. Yeah, that's a good song. I like that song. Yeah. And then we're going to go out, we're going to eat our food, and then that, that's, we're good. And I say the Holy Spirit, when he comes in us, he, he brings a passion and a desire in us that is above anything. I tell people all the time, if I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't think I'd still be a Christian. 
I think I would have turned around and walked away because I've needed some help a few times. Let me tell you something. I grew up in church, but there's some times I just need a little bit of extra supernatural help to keep me on track. I've seen God do some amazing things when people are willing to receive. And that's why those songs we sung this morning, those two new songs, that's why I wanted to sing them. The first one says, take your place. It's hard for us to say, Holy Spirit, Lord, take your place in my life and do what you want to. And then the next song says, anything can happen. I want us to believe when we walk into this church on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, when we come in here for a women's conference, that anything can happen. That people who are who are down and out and people, maybe somebody needs some supernatural healing. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's just some, maybe they have a backache. But I want us to believe that if we pray for them, that God is still the same God that he was in the book of Acts and that he can touch them and he can heal them. And I want to have that faith in me and I want you to have that faith in yourself. We live in a difficult world. I don't care. I know that we live a lot better than some people in Africa and some people in, Indone- in, in Asia and in Indonesia and those places, I understand we got some nice cars, but we still are human and we still have things we go through and we still need God in those situations. You can live as healthy as you want to, but still sometimes you need God. And as I began to put this together and as I began, my faith began to build for this message this week and I was like, God, you know, this is going to be good. And then some things happened this week that it was just like, it was... Anybody ever taken a machete and went and chopped, you know, chopped some bushes down with a machete and it had fallen? That's what I felt. The devil this week, he just took a machete to me. He's like, I'll show you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah. The Lord gives me a, a message in a day, a Pentecost, and a message about faith and a message about infilling of the Holy Spirit in our life and how God can do anything that we can, above anything we can ask or imagine. That's what the Scripture says. He says if we want, if we want wisdom, all we got to do is ask, and he'll give us the wisdom that we need. This is the God that we serve. This is the amazing God that we serve. And then this week, he's like, I'm going to take an ax to you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just chop you down a little bit. And it, it just, you know, and I, would, I was literally driving in the truck this week. And normally I could just, I could just pray about it and it just, I'm good. Or I could put some headphones on and I'm just good. I was driving in the truck this week. It, it, it was just like, man, I can't get into anything. I finally just had to turn everything off and roll the windows down. Sometimes we just got to sit and listen. We've got to get rid of everything else and just sit and listen. Say, okay, God, man, you know, all right. I don't need worship music right now. I just need to listen. In this time, you notice that that, uh, they were in this upper room, and they didn't have a drum set. They didn't have a piano. You know, they didn't have microphones. They didn't have all this. They didn't have electricity. I thank God for electricity so we can have air conditioning. Thank God for people like Jason who knows how to fix them. It would be bad if we didn't have those kind of people in this world. I know a church this morning that their air conditioning is not working right. I said, they got, they got 25 tons of air. I said, well, turn the 15 tons on that work. Well, one of them doesn't have a lot, of, a lot of Freon. I said, just turn it on. I was telling them yesterday, just go ahead and turn it on tonight. Just let it go all night long so you can be as cool as you can in the morning. But there's times that we just got to stop and we just got to listen. And they were in the upper room, and I guess I think they got to a point. You, you do get to a point at times that you don't have anything to pray about. You've prayed it all out. I think God's 
you're like, man, I hadn't heard an answer yet. And God's like, well, yeah, I hadn't listened long enough. Sometimes he just wants us just to come in and just, all right, God, what do you got to say to me? I'm not asking anything. I'm not asking for anything. What do you have to say to me? Why don't you talk to me? You know, what's amazing is when we do that, sometimes he'll give us a message for somebody else. And that person, we talk to him, and they're like, man, that was for me. Like, I liked it, but I'm glad. That really lifted my spirit. That really lifted me up. So they were, they were up there, and they just got, I just believe they got to a point that they're just like, okay. I think Peter was sitting up there going, man, I don't have nothing to pray about. We've been up here all these days. I just don't even know what to pray anymore. And believe me, they weren't waiting until the day of Pentecost. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't, even, they didn't know there was going to be a sound of a rushing wind. They didn't know that there were going to be flames of uh, fire, tongues of fire that came out and, and rested on each of them. And they didn't know that they were going to speak in other tongues. Now, I like to use the word tongues, and here's the reason why. We say languages, we can use the word languages, but I like to use the word tongues so that it makes your mind go, what does that mean? When I say languages, you're like, oh, yeah, so they spoke in German, they spoke in Spanish, they spoke, you know, they, you know, they say, but tongues makes you go, what, what, what does that mean? Well, in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us what, what, what he means. He says, if I speak... With the tongues of men or the tongues of angels? So when the Holy Spirit baptizes us, he gives us the ability to speak in a different language. And and again, when I talk about this, I want you to understand this is not a weird thing. This is a scriptural thing. This is a full gospel thing. That God can come and he can fill us and he can do this for us. And Paul himself said, hey, I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. And so if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, I say it's good enough for me to receive the Holy Spirit in all of his goodness and fullness and his glory. And so on the day of Pentecost, he came down and they began to speak in other tongues. And the Bible says that these devout Jews came running and they heard their own languages being spoken by these believers, and they were amazed, is what it says. How can this be? These people are from Galilee. They saw what they were dressed, how they were dressed, what they looked like. They said, how can this be? They're from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, and and I'm not going to read all these. They're from all these places, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, hey, they're just drunk, that's all. The others in the crowd didn't even want to believe it. Because not only did they probably hear somebody speaking in this language, they heard somebody speaking a different language that they didn't even understand. All that they're just drunk. Now you got to understand when we talk about wine in the in the uh, Bible times, wine in the Bible times was much much less potent than what we uh, sell on our shelves today. Okay, it was it, you had to drink a lot to get drunk back then. You had to drink a whole lot, you know. Uh, and and it, it was early in the morning, so for them, they're like. 
they're not even selling wine, and it hadn't been long enough for you for these guys to be drunk at this point, is what Peter says. It's not, it hadn't even been long enough for them to be drunk. So Peter stepped up and with uh, the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Even on the slaves, he says, I will pour out my spirit. Men and women. Hey, it wasn't just men. It was women. And hey, you, you, you see that my wife has, has spoken up here, and we believe, this is just a little side note, you didn't pay for this this morning, okay? I believe that women have a role in the church, and I believe that women can minister just like men can minister in the church. I believe that women can be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit and have supernatural gifts just like men. It's not a man's world. This is a world that we work together, we serve together, and what happened with Adam and Eve was corrected by two things. It was corrected by salvation, and it was corrected by the baptism of the Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost. Okay? I just want you to know that. And if you've had a man, women, if you've had a man tell you that your place is to sit and be quiet in the church, they don't understand what Paul was talking about, and that's a different story for a different day, okay? And I'll be more than happy to explain what Paul was talking about there because it's not true. You can be used just as mightily as as a man can be used. Because here's the deal. The reason that you get used is because the Holy Spirit is working in you, not something that you do. Not something that you do. See, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, totally changed from what had happened the night before Jesus died and when they were all holed up in that locked up room. Peter got up in front of all these people, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm with this Jesus. Everything you've heard, I can tell you about it, because then he goes in and he preaches a sermon. And and 3,000 people were saved just that day alone. I don't know how many people were there, but 3,000 were saved. Now, another thing I want us to understand is when Peter was preaching, the likelihood was that over 1,000 languages and dialects heard what Peter was saying that day because that's what was there because of the celebration of Pentecost. And so when they stood, when he stood up, the Holy Spirit worked through him to minister to 3,000 people plus, and who knows the re- how many others heard the message and maybe uh, listened later on and said to themselves, you know what, I heard, that, I heard that Galilean jump up and talk the other day, and now I need to know more about this. Now, let me say something. I've actually had somebody tell me that the Lord, that the supernatural gifts are not in, in, in use anymore because they were in use back then uh, to spread the gospel, and now we don't need them to spread the gospel. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says that, okay? I'm sorry. You can look through all, the whole Bible. There's nothing. That, again, that is because this person doesn't want to believe what God can do because it doesn't fit their mold. Uh, let me tell you something. When you're lying on the bed or maybe your spouse is in a bed and they're sick in the hospital, all that stuff goes out the window. And you're saying, God, I don't care 
what I've got to believe in you. I just want to see this change. When your child is sick and your child is hurting, I don't care, God. I just need you to do something here. All that goes out the window. See, when we get put in that position, then we say, hey, God, whatever you can do. You said that if I ask that you'll do this, and God, I'm believing. I say, instead of waiting until that bad thing happens, let's say, God, do something in me now and let the supernatural gifts of the Spirit work in my life like they were working on the day of Pentecost. That's what I want to happen in me. I want to say, I want to put a little thing right here and say, the supernatural gifts are not for our glory. The supernatural gifts are for the glory of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to direct people to Jesus. If somebody is healed, it's to direct somebody to Jesus. If you give a message in tongues and an interpretation of tongues, and I'm not going to go into 1 Corinthians and explain all this. We'll talk about that later. But if you do that, it's to point people to Jesus. And if you ain't pointing people to Jesus, then it ain't God. That's the bottom line. And I'm sorry, I've seen some things out there, and I go, I don't, I don't know how, how real this is. Because Jesus ain't being glorified, that person's being glorified. There was one, one big-time preacher it was attributed to, he says, he, he was in another country, he says, uh, he was in a, in a low-income neighborhood, uh, and he said, he said, you see this, this, this street right here? I could go down this street and heal everybody, but they're going to have to come to my meeting tonight. Why? Why would we do that? We have to point people to Jesus. So when, when the Spirit was poured out, you see what happened, salvation. The reason, when we still today see people saved because of what the Spirit does. Now we know that the Spirit draws people to, to the Lord, number one. But when, we, when these things happen, when supernatural acts happen, we see it draws them to the Lord. But I don't want to just put it all on, on how it affects other people. I also want to say it affects me. Letting God baptize me in the Holy Spirit, it affects me in a very positive way. It changes my life. You see, I can, when, when the Spirit enables, the Bible says that the, they came on them and they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled. When the Spirit enables us to do that, we can pray to Him, and we don't even know. The Bible says that we don't even know what we're praying about, but He knows. He knows what we're praying about. He knows what's going on. I, have, I, I could tell you story after story of, of prayer warriors who have been woke up in the middle of the night, woken up in the middle of the night. I'll tell you what, I've got my grammar all wrong today. Uh, woken up in the middle of the night, and, and the Lord says, I need to get down and pray. And they didn't know what to pray about, so they just prayed in the Spirit, prayed in tongues. They just prayed in the Spirit, and they prayed for two, three, four hours. And then they get a call. And there was, I'll tell you, there was a story, a missionary. Uh, a missionary was, was uh, something was going on. And this woman didn't know it. The Lord says, I need you to get up, and I need you to pray for this missionary. And she began to pray. She, was, she just prayed in tongues for two or three hours. And then she was able to get a hold of this missionary this next week and, and, and talk to him. And she said, I don't know what was going on. I, the Lord just woke me up and told me to pray at this time in the night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, I think it was, and pray. And they said, you don't understand what was going on. We were being, we, we had some militant uh, people that had attack, attacked our compound. And we didn't know if we was going to make it through the night. 
but your prayers. Why? Because that person was obedient. They didn't know what they were praying about, but the Lord knew what they were praying about. Also, when we pray, we never know. We begin to pray. We allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us and fill us with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and we allow the supernatural gifts to work in us. And just like on the day of Pentecost, that's when the church started. And I don't know about you, but if I get a new car, if I got a new truck right now, I would like to have all of it. I don't want to go get me a new Chevy Silverado and put a, a four-cylinder in it because you ain't going nowhere pretty quick, right? You know what I'm saying? You may put down the road, and maybe you could put a V6 in there, but you still ain't going to go very fast, and you're definitely not going to pull anything behind it. Hey, I, I used to have a little bitty S10 Blazer, you know, and it had a V6, and that thing couldn't pull nothing. I mean, it couldn't pull itself up a hill hardly. But what do we do in Christianity? We say, oh, no, 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 I, I don't need that. I can, no, I can do it. What I talked about earlier, I can do it on my own. I can build all this stuff. I can do all this stuff. I can make money on my own. I don't need that until that bad time comes. And I think, I want to say that the Lord say to you that you need it now. Because if you have it now, look what's going to happen in the, uh, there's so much more I can do. But if you have to wait till you're in a dire situation to call out to me for something, I don't even know if I can use it at that point. There are so many people out there, they say, it is not for today. That it passed away, and I can give you every scripture in the book that they want to try to use. They take them out of context and say, no, this is not for today. You weirdo, it's not for today. It's not weird serving the Lord. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not weird allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life. It's not. But here's what Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 39 says. Get this. This is scripture, folks. This ain't, this ain't made up stuff. He says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be baptized in water. You need to repent of your sins. He says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So what they received that day, he says, this is to everyone you, your children, and those far away, and anyone who's been called by the Lord God. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, you've been called. If you've been Christian, you've been called to ministry. I'm not saying you've been called to stand up on a platform, but you've been called to ministry. And that ministry may be at your job. That ministry may be to your children or to your spouse or, or to your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor. But God's called you. Don't you want to be fired on all cylinders? He gave us the free gift of salvation. He gave us the free gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for our use, for our use, so that we could have it. No longer do we have to rely on anybody else, but we have a direct connection with the Father now. Through this, we have a direct connection to the Father. The day of Pentecost came, the second most important day in Christianity came, and they were ready and willing to receive. Now, let me hit a couple of things here. I don't want to keep you all too, too late on this message because I've already been preaching a long time. You say, well, do we have to hear the sound of a rushing wind? No. 
The other, the other instances in the New Testament when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you did not hear a sound of, of rushing wind. Do we have to have flames of fire on our head? No. The other points in the New Testament, they did not have flames of fire on their head. But what is true is that the, the apostles went to places and there were people who were saved. It's in the Scripture. And they said, yes, we've heard about Jesus. Yes, we know all about this. He says, but have you received the Holy Spirit yet? So you're saved, you're going to heaven, but have you received the Holy Spirit? Now let me say this. Notice what I just said. You do not, do not have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to make it to heaven. Now there are churches out there that, that there are some churches out there that teach that. It is incorrect. It's not biblical. Period. But I tell you, I want to make it as easy as possible for you to understand how I look at this. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Salvation is your favorite cake. That's salvation. My favorite cake is yellow cake. Made just right with that vanilla-style pudding put inside of it, you know. Mm. And I don't like icing unless it's milk chocolate icing on top of yellow cake. And I tell people all the time, I want to break it down and make it as simple and easy for you as possible. The yellow cake is salvation. Man, it's good without, that yellow cake's good without the chocolate icing. But let me tell you, when you put that milk chocolate icing, it makes it perfect. It makes it so good. And even, even if sometimes the, the cake is a little bit dry, because you know, sometimes salvation and living for the Lord gets a little bit difficult. Boy, when you put that chocolate on top of it, it makes it okay. I can go ahead and still eat it because I'll mix it. I'll, I'll put a little bit more chocolate. And so I say when it comes to living for Jesus, we can put a little bit more of the Holy Spirit on us. Oh, we're going through a little bit rough time. Let's just put a little more of the Holy Spirit on top of that so we can make it through this point. And why? Because Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Because I want to be an effective witness for Jesus. That's what I want to do. Now, fi- final Clearing this thing up, bringing an end to it. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you say, well, how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit?